people of like faith you find people of like passion you find people that love the Lord but but I have to tell you that this isn't the largest church in the world but to me it's the greatest church in all the world I love my church I love my church for so many reasons but in the last two weeks I've seen you do things that have just completely blown my mind and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you have stood with me, your pastor, and you've said, we're going to go with you, pastor. And if you hear from God, we're going to follow. If you hear that God wants us to do something, we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to put on our gloves and we're going to serve. We're going to serve in the name of Christ. We're going to serve people because that's what God wants us to do. But I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. I want to give you some of those lessons. The first lesson I have learned today that I want to talk to you about is that God puts destiny in the hearts of every human being. God puts a seed of leadership in every Christian. You see, the truth is every Christian in this room is a leader. Now, I know that some people say some people are born leaders, and I know that there are tests that you could take by which you can determine and assess whether or not you have the skills to be a leader. But let me tell you something. Every Christian that has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, every Christian has the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords living inside of them, they have to lead the way. They have to lead the way in first responding to the needs around. They have to lead the way in strategies. They've got to lead people out of dry land, out of famine, into a place of plenty. Let me tell you, friend, don't ever say that you're not a leader. The King of Glory lives inside of you and you can be a leader at work you could be a leader at school you can be a leader in your communities because God is inside of you and he wants to work on the outside of you and he gives you the power to do it because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is living inside of you then you've got the wisdom and the strategy that you need to lead the charge in your family in your home wherever you go now, God put a seed of leadership in Joseph's heart. When he was a young boy, God gave him a vision. Now, God's given you some vision. Now, I want to encourage you as God gives you a vision, a destiny, a plan, a dream. Have you ever said, God, I want you to use me? Just use me, God. How many of you in this room, you said, God, just use me? God, no matter what you want. Be careful when you say that, by the way. But if you've said, God, use me, then God puts up a seed of leadership in your heart. But know this one thing. If you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to go to leadership boot camp. <laughs> we want the glory, but we don't want to go through the journey to get there. We want the glory, but we don't want the stories of how God brought us to that place of leadership. And if you're going to be a leader, your leadership will be tested. Your integrity will be tested. Your character will be tested. Your motives and your agendas will be tested. Every step of the way, you will be tested. And God will put you through the fire so that he can refine you so that when you started out with these stinking motives in your own heart to do things for your own glory, God is going to burn that out. And you're going to say, God, I'm so desperate for you. And I'm so desperate for an answer, God. I'll embrace whatever you have in my life, God. And God, I don't care who gets the glory because, God, I know the story belongs to you. It's history. It's your history. It's his story. 
And so Joseph had to go through this refining period in his life. You know, he was kind of dumb, wasn't he? I mean, think about it. He's a dumb, not every teenager is dumb, but some of you teenagers, you need to get your ears cleaned out. Just so I can check to see whether or not there's a brain in there. No offense, but this guy was, man. So he gets a dream from God, and God says, you know, one day, Joseph, your brothers, they're going to bow before you. Now, now let, me, let, me in, let me give you a little information and counsel. When God gives you a dream like that, be careful who you share it with and be careful when you share it. The timing of that, that vision being shared is very important, who you share it with. And so Joseph, in his excitement, runs to his brothers and he says, guess what, guys? Guess what? One day, you're going to all bow before me. Now, here's the problem. The problem was that Jacob loved Joseph so much that he went out to Modell's and got him a Yankee jacket, and the guy went to sleep with it every day. Notice I didn't say Mets. Joe, be quiet. And that was his favorite son, and, 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 the, and his other sons were really jealous. And on top of that, every time his brothers did something wrong, Joseph ran to his father Jacob and told him, hey, you think they're doing this and that? And after a while, the boys had enough of this guy. We're going to take the Yankee jacket off of this guy, and we're going to kill him. Because we're so angry at him. And so they take him, you know the story, and they want to kill him. And one of the brothers intercedes, no, let's not do that, lest his blood is on our hands. So now he sees a band of people coming by. They're the Met organization. <laughs> and they say, you know what, look, these guys are going to Egypt. So let's sell them to the Met organization. So now Joseph is sold into slavery for years and years, having to deal with a bad team. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. To all my Met friends out there, I'm really just kidding. And now the boy's in slavery. And Leadership 101 becomes a reality in his life. Now he's got to go through the fire. And so he goes through the fire of being a slave in Potiphar's house. But you know what? Great leaders, they never feel sorry for themselves. Great leaders never throw a pity party for themselves. Great leaders recognize they're still blessed. I don't have lights. I don't have electricity. I don't have water. But I'm still blessed. My house might have got flooded, but I'm still blessed. Let me, let me tell you something. Listen to me. Before you start to feel sorry for yourself, and I know some of you are going through difficult times, but I mean, I got to keep on reminding myself, I still don't have electricity. And I'm so blessed that my house didn't get destroyed. But when I'm driving the oceanside and I see those lights are still off, I have to remember there's people in Haiti. Listen, I know, and I'm going to tell you something. I want to talk the light for myself. <laughs> I do. I, I, if I could find a LIPA guy in my community, I would like to lay hands on them. And I'm talking holy hands right now. You know what I'm talking about. But I got to keep on reminding myself, my lights are going to go on. There are places in Haiti, their lights are not going on. There are places in Africa, their lights are not going on. 
I can still go down the road to Panera and their lights are on and I can get a sandwich. Friends, let's not throw a pity party. It doesn't help anybody. In fact, God said, get them mobilizing, get them doing something so that they won't feel sorry for themselves. And so Joseph, he's just not going to have that. Because great leaders, they always rise to the occasion. And the Bible says that Potiphar recognizes he's not feeling sorry for himself. This guy's a great leader. And I'm going to put him in charge of my whole house. And so now Joseph is in charge of Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife. You know the story. She started looking at the boy in the wrong way. And she tried something and he wasn't having anything to do. And he ran out. And the Bible says that she accused him of trying to rape her. And now, lesson leadership 201, now he's thrown in prison in a dungeon, a dark hole with no electricity. But he's not feeling sorry for himself because great leaders, they rise to the occasion. And wherever they are, and whatever situation, they're placed in. They know that God is a sovereign God and God doesn't do anything by accident. And when God puts us in a place, we shine. When God puts us in a place, we use our skills and our abilities to glorify God. Why? Because the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And God will finish the work that he began in us. And so even in that prison, Joseph begins to teach people about God. And then Pharaoh has a dream. He has a dream that there are big fat cows and there's plentiful in the land. And then these skinny cows come and eat up the fat cows. And then he has a dream of stalks and those stalks or healthy stalks, and then the weak stalks eat up the stalks, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's confused. And so he calls the knuckleheads in his community, the magicians, to come and give him a word, but she, they can't do that. And so he says, is there anyone here who hears the word of God? And let me ask you a question. Is there anyone in this house today that hears the word of God? Is there anyone who has a prophetic voice in this world today, in this community, to hear the voice of God and say, I know what God is saying during this time. I know what God wants to do in this time. And there's a strategy that we can implement so that we can bring life to other people. Oh yeah, there's this guy, Joseph. He really sees and hears things. Get him. So Joseph comes before Pharaoh. And Joseph is awed by Pharaoh, but he's more awed by God. And so Pharaoh says, here's my dream. Tell me what it means. And and Joseph says, Pharaoh, let me tell you, you're a blessed man. And for seven years, Egypt will be blessed and prosperous. But then after those seven years, there will be a famine in the land. Now look at me, listen to me. I learned a lesson. This is the lesson I learned this week. That if we can't deal with our lights off and a little bit of cold now, how in the world are Christians going to really deal with things when things get really bad? I'm, I'm afraid. I'm really concerned. People are beating each other up on gas lines because they have to wait a little while. I'm not waiting on no line. 
I told my wife, I said, honey, I'm finding a senior citizen in the church and they're staying on the line for me. <laughs> the lights are going off. What happened here? Hey, God, Lord, I'm sorry. She said, you're going to make somebody do your dirty work? I said, do my dirty work. Honey, where do I belong right now? Do I belong on a line for seven hours or do I belong on a convoy line or a Samaritan's purse line where people can get help? I, mean, I need some seniors that'll say, Pastor Steve, I'll stay on line for you for seven hours. You could read the paper. You can listen to my sermon online. I don't care what you do, but I'm not standing on the line. Man, I, I, I drive by these, people are fighting and honking at one another. Christians are getting angry at other Christians and they're complaining. Comfort, they're complaining. Yeah, not you. Come on up here right now, Comfort, for a minute. Comfort, come here, come on up here. They, they are Christians, come on up here, Comfort. There are Christians, come on up here. Comfort, there are Christians that are complaining because they ain't got lights. I know. And they're complaining because they got to go a little while to get a sandwich. We should tell them what you guys went through when you were kids in Africa, shouldn't they're we? so funny. <laughs> go sit down before you start preaching. And I'm afraid. Friends, there's going to come a time in America that it's going to get lean. And there's going to be some famines in our country. But you see, that's where God strategically places his light. He strategically places his people where they can do the most good to bring glory and honor to God and show the people the way that they should go. So, so God positions. He always does that. You got to go through the fire. And some of you are going through the fire of difficulties in your life. And you got to go through the fire of leadership in your life. But then he positions you at a place in which you can bring glory to God and show the world this is the answer. I am still convinced with all of my heart that the church is the answer for the world, not the government. The church is the answer for the world. We will not find it in the White House. We'll find it in the church house. Somebody say amen, glory to God. I said the answer is in the church house. I don't care who you elect, the answer is in the church house. The church is the body of Christ, the storehouse, the place of bread. Do you know what Bethlehem means? It means the house of bread. This is the house of bread. And so the people came to Joseph, and Joseph was well, able to give them what they needed. Well, you know, when this whole thing started, we had some organizations that were going to come and help us because we developed relationships with them. And I thank God that before the storm finished, Convoy of Hope called us up. And they said, Steve, we're going to be there. In fact, they were so far ahead of me that I said, let me get my lights on in my house before you come. But they were coming. And I thank God for the last two weeks, Convoy of Hope has shipped in hundreds of thousands of pounds of food and here's where God has set us up how God has set this whole thing up that before the government got there 
convoy of hope in the church was in Long Beach handing out food to needy people. Come on, somebody. And then after, and then, and then after the government got there, they dumped off FEMA trucks. And Steve called me up and he said, Steve, that's a good name you got there. <laughs> Steve, FEMA dropped off trucks at different sites, but they said that if there's no volunteers, they can't open up the sites. And that's where, once again, the church, my church, I love my church, said, we'll take care of the sites. And so FEMA gave us sites to oversee. And so we went to the first site and we noticed it wasn't in the best location. So we got our trucks and we, we filled up our trucks and we went where the need was. You know, I've been really praying for Far Rockaway. How many of you know people in Far Rockaway? How many people you know in Far Rockaway? And so God is just, you know, like, we got to get in there. But we can't get in there because, really, to be honest with you, it's so dangerous that they said we can't actually literally drive a big truck into Far Rockaway because we'd start a riot. So guess what? Don't tell Steve this, but I've been taking the food from the sites and putting them in little trucks. And pastors have been coming, he knows that and picking up the food and distributing it to churches in Far Rockaway. Why? Because the church needs to respond. And so I, I want my friend, I didn't know him two weeks ago, but he's my friend today. And he's from Convoy of Hope. And I asked Steve if he would come for a few moments and just share with you what God has been doing through Convoy of Hope. And, and listen, this man, he didn't even know where he was going to sleep when he came here. And he's been staying wherever he could because there's been no hotels. And he'd, he'd sleep on the floor if he had to. And he's been away from his family. And he's been here serving us every single day with a smile. I want you to give my friend, Steve Irwin, a really big hand and say thank you for coming. Come on. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Steve, for coming, being with us. Hallelujah. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One, two, three, testing. Hi, my name is Yule Gibbons. Did you know parts of the microphone are actually edible? I don't know if you know who Yule Gibbons was. <laughs> he was a naturalist. He used to eat everything. Uh, thank you for this, this time. Um, uh, thank you for this greeting, uh, Pastor. Uh, man, this guy's been tireless. Um, probably that's why he's been so weird lately. No. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's normal, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, see, they, they'll throw you under the bus. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I told Pastor, he said, could you share this a little bit? I said, all right, um, but you're going to have to get one of those big hooks in case I get the spirit of preach on me going. So, um, but I'll tell you a little story. Um, oh, there's people up in the balcony. Wow. <laughs> Did you say this was being streamed live? Oh, okay, I got to behave. Sorry. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, and um, um, I had, I was the second oldest. I had an older sister than me, then a younger sister, and uh, the younger brother, Danny. 
And uh, one day, um, I was looking for some things and um, couldn't find them. I wonder where they went. And so then I was looking for them and I found out my sister took them, my little sister. And uh, so we started an argument and she hit me. And then she hit me again. And I was like, I'm bigger and I'm a guy. I'm not supposed to hit a girl. You know, I really wanted to. So I said to her, Sandy, stop it. My sister's name is Sandy. So, you know, Sandy, Sandy tried to steal a lot of things during this time. And she did a lot of things that was abusive to us, to the church, and to believers and, and unbelievers alike. And we know who the author of that is, and we're fighting against it, and we're going to tell it. No. And that's what you guys did during this time. And I, I just, I thank the support. Who's calling me? Oh, it's Sandy. I'm not answering her. Um, I, what I was, I was thinking this morning, and God led me to a scripture Hebrews 6, and I'm using technology because I didn't bring my Bible with me. Sometimes when you get on a plane, I got a big fat Bible, so it's kind of hard to uh, take it with me sometimes, so I keep this. And my pastor says, if you, you leave the house without a Bible, you're, 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 it's like you're walking out of the house without pants on, so yeah, keep a Bible in my, in my phone. Hebrews 6, verses 10, it says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Verse 12, that ye be not slothful. Uh, do I got any slothful people here? I didn't think so. See, you saw the pictures behind me. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them through who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Verse 13, for when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiply, I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. And I, I was thinking this morning as, uh, as I, this last two weeks, seeing pastor out there on the line and and, and Joe and, and uh, Tori and all the, us, the rest of the people, the crew, just day in, day out for two weeks. I know, and, and Tim and, and Todd, uh, we, we travel around the world and we see this process start and end. And we know how tiring it is for people. It's tiring for us. We're wore out, but we do it because we're called to do it and because we have a grace to do it. But you guys have shown through working out here, you have a grace. And you have shown that these people that are suffering, and in our, only day, our own day, uh, in and day out activities, um, that God has made promises to us. And if we'll do our part, those promises will come true through faith and patience. Uh, a pastor, a friend of mine, calls them the power twins. It's faith and patience. And in the song that we sang earlier today, what was that song we sang, the, the three verses? His, never, his love never gives up. It never runs out. And if we'll just have patience, we'll get through this as well. And, and, I, and I, see, I see the forces of evil trying to cause problems. And you at the church, 
pushing back the forces of evil. You're pushing it back. You are winners. You will always be winners. With God's strength behind us, we can do anything we, we set our minds on. And we can help anybody. We can, uh, we can address any need and accomplish it and fulfill it and, and, and show God's love. Romans 2.4 to everyone that we meet. So, you know, Convoy of Hope is blessed and honored to be here and to stand alongside with you. Uh, Samaritan's Purse has been partners with us. We, we travel all around the world uh, and working, and every time we get a chance to work together or, or broker some sort of a relationship, bring teams to them or them help us, uh, it's just been a great partnership. So I want to say thank you to Samaritan's Purse and my, my buddies. Uh, but you guys have just been great. This church has been uh, just an awesome church. I've never seen people work like an anthill. Last night we were in the dark and trying to show flashlights and try to get the work done and carrying cans and Tori was back there building pellets in the back of a trailer when she should be supervising but she's, she's just like everybody else here, you're worker bees and you, you just get after it. And uh, I, I had another, I see things by pictures sometimes, Pastor, so you have to forgive me. How many are WWE fans or were at one time? World Wrestling Federation stuff. Remember Hulk Hogan? You remember the storyline with Hulk Hogan was always uh, he'd get into the ring and do pretty good and then get beat a little bit and then do pretty good. And then at some point in time, he starts really losing really, really bad and getting chairs thrown at him and just beat up really bad. But at one point, you knew it was coming. At one point, he said, no. And he just shook his head. His blonde hair would shake around. And he'd just start gritting his teeth and he'd get up off the ground after being hit. And he won that match every time. That was his, his storyline. That's your storyline. That's your storyline. Going forward, you are winners. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're thankful to Convoy of Hope. We, can't, we could not do it without Convoy of Hope. And let me just tell you, we've had people, teams of people, tirelessly, day and night, handing out food, handing out food, handing out food to you guys that have been with me every step of the way. I call them the Gideon Army. Thank you for standing with me, standing with this city. But we're moving into a new process now, a new phase. There's a lot of food out there in a lot of different ways, and we're going to still help to do that. But now we're moving into a different phase. Now it's the phase of actually going where the people are into their homes and helping them to, to get out of where they are because there's a whole lot of people. And let me tell you, if you have not been in Far Rockaway, if you have not been in Island Park, if you've not been in Long Beach, I challenge you to drive there, knock on somebody's door and say, can I just come in for a moment and see how you're living? I had the chance to do that and it rocked my world. Everything in their house, everything. Friends, let me tell you, you might not have electricity, but you don't have four feet of water, seven feet of water in your house where the mold is literally climbing up the walls and everything in their house is gone. Everything is gone. I have talked to people who have said everything is gone. I have no reason to live. Yesterday a team went into a house and an old lady was sitting on the couch and she said her son had cut himself on a generator. She said that was the last draw. We had to send them to the hospital. She said, I want to die. I just want to die. And I'm going to tell you what a wonderful thing that happened in the moment. But I was sensing that God wanted us to move into a new phase. And I said, God, show me what I can do next. God, I want to help so much. 
Lord, I, I feel like we can even do more. And I went to the firehouse in Island Park. And I said, you know, we've got to focus on an area and just adopt that area. I know there's a lot of other areas, but God just said, you know, yeah, you're doing stuff in Freeport and Long Beach and different places. And you're giving out food all over the place. But you've got you to go to one area and say, look, we're here to do whatever you want us to do. We'll serve you any way you want. So I went to the firehouse. Never met the fire chief. He let me in. I said, I'm Reverend Malazzo. He said, thank you, Reverend, for coming. He said, look, with glassy eyes, he says, we don't know what to do. He said, our homes are destroyed. Every firefighter's home has been affected by the flood. Their wives, their children, the firefighters are all living at the firehouse. They go to work in the day and at night or whatever their schedules are, and then they volunteer at the firehouse. They said, you know what? We haven't been able to get back to our homes two weeks. We haven't been able to get back to our home to take care of our own home. There's water. There's mildew. There's stuff in there. And we haven't been able to go. I said, I got it. Don't worry about it. They couldn't even think for themselves. I said, I got it. Don't worry about it. Didn't know how, but I got it. I'm going to step out in faith. So I said, you, put, you, give this, you send this list around and tell me all the firefighters that need their house to be cleaned out. I got a whole page of firefighters who said, please go to my house and clean my house out. I said, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, Lord, but we're going to do this. I don't even know how to do clean outs and cutouts. All I know is that God's going to help me. You know, friends... There comes a time when you make no excuses. When you say, God, whatever it takes. And there was a team of people, and I want that team, if you'd come and stand right here for a moment. There was a team of people, come on, orange shirts. And there were many others that showed up, and I appreciate that so much. And, and, and when, they, when they showed up on the job, they didn't know what they were going to do. But I knew what they were going to do. There was 30-plus firefighters' homes that we need to bless and tell them that God loves them and God cares about them and we want to show them that in a real tangible way. And mothers and older people and younger people, they all showed up and they came to help out. And when we began to tell them what they were supposed to do, let me tell you, I know as I watched them, some of them were scared. Some of them were like, you wanted me to do what? All of them, I watched their faces and let me tell you, some of them, if they could run at that moment, they would have run. Because the truth is, they didn't want to go into people's homes and clean out their homes. But you know, they stood with me. And they said, Pastor, if this is what you want us to do, this is what we're going to do. And by the way, you might say, I have a bad back or I can't do this or that. You could pick up a piece of paper from the ground that's floating in the basement of a house, a picture you can pick up a little something. You see everyone helping. And you know what blessed my heart is when I went to the house where the teams were, there were women and young people and old people. And some of them were outside praying for the family. Others of them were inside just taking out what they could. One lady just took out dishes, just china dishes, because that was what she could do. She couldn't pick up anything larger. So she began to pick up. And you know what? When those people saw the team of people with Samaritan shirts on coming into their home, they were saying, thank you. I don't know what to do. And you're here to thank 
And you're here to help me to clean out my house. In fact, when they started doing it, others started coming saying, I don't know what to do. Please help me. And at the end, after they did their work, it was so powerful as they gathered that family together. One of the firemen said to me, he said, Pastor Reverend, he said, thank you so much. He said, I don't know what to do. And your team came and cleaned out my house. And then your team gathered me and my mom together and they prayed for me. He was in shock. And they prayed for me. Thank you. And they gave me a Bible. And they loved me. Wow. I thought to myself, this is the hands and feet of Christ. And you know what's so wonderful? Is that convoy comes and they play their part. And Samaritan's Purse, they come and they play their part. And I told them, I don't care what t-shirt you give me. I'll wear whatever you want as long as we can play our part together. Because that's the body of Christ in action. In a moment, I'm going to just let you hear just a few stories. But before I do that, I want Tim to come and just share. Is it Tim or Todd? Which one of you guys? Tim, come. And just share with us for a moment. Just, just a second. We're running out of time. But just, we, you know, let me just tell you. This is Tim and Todd and his team. And here's, here's what happened. I told these firefighters we were going to do this. And I had no idea how. Friday morning, Todd walks into my office and he says, that's what we do. Convoy brings food. We help teams to come in. We teach teams how to go into houses to clean out houses. I thought to myself, God, your timing is impeccable. I just made a promise to firemen that I don't know how I'm going to keep. And you sent Samaritan's Purse to us to help us do the next phase in the process. So I want you to give Tim a big hand because he's a messenger of God and Todd, a messenger of God to help us. Thank you, sir. Good morning, church. I'm, I'm still in Todd's thunder. This was his opportunity to come and, and address you and say thank you. Thank you for stepping up to be the church that springs into action in people's time of need. And none of us, as the pastor has told us, would have thought three weeks ago that we would be together here today talking about what are we going to do to show the love of Christ to people in their time of need. Now, I want you to know that storms happen all across the country, like Steve told you. Tornadoes in the uh, Midwest last year were horrific. And we saw Convoy there, and we saw other organizations there, and we saw the church step up to do what the church is called to do. And now here we are in Long Island. And I'm telling you that we're seeing the church stand up to do what the church is called to do. This is your time. This is your opportunity. This is not easy. But I want you to know that your pastor is modeling great leadership. He's stepping out on faith to say, I got it. I got it, Lord. How do I have this? It's up to you. It's a step of faith. But fire chief, I've got it. And you know what he has with God's leadership? He has you at his back because you've stepped up. You've started understanding, team, what does it mean to go into someone's house and gut it out? It's frightening. 
But it takes you, church, to step up and say, I'm available, I'm willing, I want to be the hands and feet of Christ in whatever capacity that is. I'm ready. This is our time. This storm has come to your community. You're going to meet people that you would have never met before. But because of this circumstance, this is your time. Follow your leadership. Ask God to give you the strength for those divine appointments. And we'll win this community for the namesake of Jesus Christ. And we'll tell them the truth that they have a Savior who loves them and hasn't forgotten them. And we'll give God the glory for every bit of it. Thank Amen. you, Pastor. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have decided to partner with Samaritan's Purse. And I want Joe and Carlita, Joe has been with me all week by my side. Whatever I've told Joe to do, he's been there for me. Let me tell you, I'm going to just be honest and transparent. Joe needs a job if anybody knows where he can get a job. But let me tell you, he could have felt sorry for himself. And yet he said, you know what? If God's given me this opportunity, I'm going to use it for his glory. And I'm going to let Joe and Carlita tell us what God did through you guys yesterday. It's, it's just amazing to see the devastation that's out there. But knowing that you take away your eyes from yourself and just go out and share and, and be able to lend a, a hand to somebody else who's a lot worse than we are. I mean, four or five days of inconvenience or lights, I'm not complaining. I've been blessed. My neighbors were coming to my house because everybody in my block, I live here in Valley Stream, all had electric gas stoves, so they couldn't even use it. So they come, we cook, they come and eat over. We had people just stay over. We had at least gas, and we had a hot water heater that's also gas, so everybody could come over and take a shower in our house if they needed to. But we've been blessed, so I said, if I was, God blessed me through this, I needed to go out there and, and help other people who are a lot worse than I was. Tell me what happened yesterday when you went into those homes. Yes, uh... First of all, I told Pastor C, okay, I know I've been doing all this stuff all week, and I said, you know, I really don't want to go in there and clean up, but if we have to, please put me with a team of guys that are strong because I don't want to kill myself. <laughs> but uh, it worked out great. We, we did what we had to do. I was a little apprehensive, a little scary, but you know what? Once you're in there and you're doing and you see, you see the appreciation of the, the homeowner, it just breaks you, and you're like, ah, who cares? I'm, I'm just going to do this and, and just to the glory of God. That is it. And we saw that appreciation. We saw that love. And it just gives you that jolt of, of energy that you need. It really does. And, and I know I'm doing it for him, not, not for anybody else. So, thank you. So, yeah, I'm going to try not to cry. Anna and I are, have the tears like closest to our eyes. So, um, it was very emotional for me yesterday. So when I got up yesterday, I have a, a torn meniscus and um, I woke up with a really bad um, sinus headache. And I knew that Joe has been going the entire week. And, um, and my plan was to, you know, get rid of my headache and go do my nails. And then, <laughs> and then I thought, you know, and then when I get home after doing my nails, what am I going to do? So God spoke to me and said, you know what? Your torn meniscus, your ugly nails, your headache, go help someone. And um, when I went there, you know, I have seen, we had no lights and no TV for, you know, obviously five days, six days. So I hadn't seen the devastation. But when I got there and we walked into that lady's house and the stench, 
and she was crying and she said nobody has been here to help me and you guys are here to help me your pastor is an angel she just broke my heart and I just said Lord get this pain off my knee and he did and um, you know I said I was I was gonna do thank you Lord I was gonna do small things, and by the end, I was hauling carpets outside, and I give the glory to God. Amen, 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 amen. You and I, we're going to get our nails done after this. Everyone, look at me, everyone can do it. Everyone has a part to play. Everyone can pick up a plate, everyone can pick up a chair, everyone can hug a neck, everyone can pray for somebody. So here's where we are. We got 26 homes of firemen that need a clean out tomorrow and the next day. It was awesome yesterday when I went to the firehouse and I told the fire chief we got four houses done and he said to me, Reverend, thank you so much. I said, it may take a little while. He said, it's okay. Thank you. You came. You're here for me. And then Lisa Norwich, she made enough food for all the firemen and brought it. She's going to do that again today. I called up and I said, what else do you need? And the fire chief said, we need a doctor. People are getting sick. Firemen have stepped in stuff and they need help. I said, you got a doctor. So we had a doctor there last night taking care of the firemen. Friend, I don't know about you, but that is Jesus. And, 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 and Island Park, and Island Park will see the glory of God. A woman said to us yesterday, she said, God has left New York. And one of the workers said, if God left New York, and I'll leave you with this, we wouldn't be here today. That's what it's all about. I want you to stand with me right now. Stand with me quickly. You know, every Sunday morning, we give an altar call. An altar call is a time where people can come and give their lives to Christ and know that if they died today, they'd go to heaven. I'm not going to give an altar call today. I'm going to give you a work order as your pastor. Here's what I need from you. Tomorrow, 9 o'clock, 100 Radcliffe drive we're all going to show up together with courage and Samaritan's Purse is going to show us exactly what to do they're going to come alongside of us as they have already and we're going to go clean out firemen's homes and we're going to do it with a smile and they're going to see the love of Christ now for whatever reason if you can't show up tomorrow because you're working or whatever or you're getting your nails done. <laughs> then every day, for a while, for a long time, you can just simply show up at the vineyard in Limbrook. The vineyard, just remember this, the vineyard church, look it up online. The vineyard church, the Limbrook campus. At 7.30 in the morning, and I thank God, Samaritan Purse, they're going to show you exactly what to do. They're going to put you on a team and you can go out and serve. So you can do this whenever you want. But tomorrow, 
I know some people say, you set yourself up, Pastor Steve, for disappointment if it don't happen. No. I just believe there's enough people in this room to make my dream come true. So tomorrow, 9 o'clock, I'll be there. 100 Radcliffe Drive, Island Park, and we're going to go clean at homes. So here's what we need to do. We need to sign you up. We'd rather do it today so that we can get to work tomorrow. So here's the altar call. Go in the gymnasium. If you have to wait a little while, you're used to it. You wait on gas lines. <laughs> let's be tough. Don't turn away now. But let's go in the gymnasium and let's sign up and they're going to give you a form. And if you go with Samaritan's Purse, then you're able to get coverage with insurance. And, um, and we're going to be able to do this all together as a team, partnering together for the glory of God. Can I pray for you right now? Father, thank you for this wonderful church. I love my church. I wouldn't want to serve anywhere else in the whole world than right here with my people, the people that I love so much. And I wouldn't want to serve anywhere else in the world than right here with these wonderful people. God, I pray that you would give us strength tomorrow to take care of those firemen. Lord, I pray for the fire chief and all the firemen today, God. Lord, may they see Jesus in us. And Lord, even if they don't come to know you as their savior, I'll still do it, Lord because you gave me a holy mandate from heaven that I'm to love even my enemies but I'm believing greater things father that one by one each family will see the love of God and we'll be able to pray with them and give them Bibles and we'll show them what it means to be a God lover we thank you for that now bless the people that are here I know that there's hurt in this room Lord I know that there are people that have gone through difficult times, God. I know that some of them have lost so much themselves. Help them to never think that we have forgotten them, Father. Help us to know that we're going to be there for them as well. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, as you leave, if you yourself have a need, if you need a clean out,